Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Thanks for tuning in again. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Dyke Drummond. He is a Mayo-trained family practice physician, burnout survivor, executive coach, and founder of thehappymd.com. He teaches simple methods to lower stress, build more life balance, and a more ideal practice. These tools were discovered and tested via Dr. Drummond's 3,000 hours of physician coaching experience. Since 2010, he's also delivering live burnout prevention training to over 40,000 physicians and behalf of 175 corporate and association clients on four continents. He's busy uh, because he loves what he does and just helping physicians avoid burnout to begin with is a passion of his. So uh, I'm, I'm privileged to have you on the podcast, Dyke. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, thanks, Saul. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So before we dive into thehappymd.com and all the work that you're doing there to, to improve the lives of physicians and uh, in effect, uh, everybody else that they care for, uh, tell me a little bit about you and, and what inspires your work in healthcare. Well, I'm a family doc. Um, I graduated uh, Mayo Med School, did my residency in the UC Davis system up in Redding, California. And for 10 years, I was a full service family doc in Mount Vernon, Washington, which is about halfway between Seattle and Vancouver, BC. And I was one of those full service guys. I ultimately delivered 500 babies, was in a 40 doctor multi-specialty group there. And I flamed out of my practice back in the year 2000. Uh, for me, it was kind of unusual. I, uh, I had a period of time where every time I went into work, it felt like somebody had me in a chokehold. It was a real strong physical sensation. I took 30 days off, did a sabbatical, hoping it would go away, and it didn't. When I went back to work, it returned. So my only coping mechanism at the time was to actually sign my resignation and walk away from my career, which I don't recommend as a transition strategy. <laughs> so if anybody's actually listening, um, you know, don't walk away and burn those bridges because you've invested a lot in your choice to be a healer and a light worker. And it's important not to let the structure of what you call your current practice take that away from you because that's the contribution you're meant to make in this lifetime. At least that's what I believe. So what I do is I work to help people who've made the extraordinary choice to go to medical school and become a doctor and a healer and a light worker, be able to create a way of making a living that um, allows them to do that in their life and allows them to have a life, an extraordinary life, because of this choice to uh, have an extraordinary career rather than have the career and the practice get in the way of having a life in the first place. And I am an external. Right now, I don't see patients for insurance money. I haven't for quite a while. Um, however, what I do is I work with doctors who are still seeing patients to give them some very simple tools to turn around burnout and uh, lead a more, a more efficient practice and a more balanced life. And again, everything that we do has 10 years of experience and uh, 
several thousand doctors worth of testing on the tools that we teach. So it's really fun to be able to teach somebody something that I know is going to work. And uh, a lot of times it's, it's in those blind spots that our medical education creates. So it's really fun to show you something for the first time and have you practice it and come back the next week and tell me, man, that really worked. That's very fulfilling for me. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. And, you know, there's, there's a big opportunity to help on the physician front. And so would love to hear more about how you and, and you know, the Happy MD method is doing that. Can you share more about how you guys do it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So at the Happy MD, at this point, we have six coaches. So I have a team of six coaches around me and they've all been trained in the techniques that we've discovered over the last 10 years or so. But basically what we have to do for anybody in the helping professions, not just doctors, these are all lessons we learned with doctors, but they apply to anybody who puts their clients first, their patients first. So doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs, nurses, uh, even medical administrators in some cases. But basically, there are some things that are left out of your education process because, especially for physicians, the seven to 12 years that you spend in medical school and residency are actually a survival contest. They're not meant to set you up for a healthy, balanced life. They're just something to be survived. And it doesn't even matter the quality of the work that you do as long as you follow instructions and complete the tasks, right? So, so I mean, honest to gosh, what do they call the person who graduates last from their medical school class? Yeah, doctor. Exactly. Yep. So all you have to do is make it to the end. And what you learn in medical school and residency is to push yourself beyond exhaustion, to not take care of your physical needs to not take care of your emotional needs. Are you with me? You learn how to take really bad care of yourself. And then when you're out, by the time that happens, you've completely forgotten that you have free will. So after having followed instructions to the T for seven to 12 years, most doctors graduate into their practice and they're just looking for somebody to tell them what to do. And so you interview for a job and they're more than happy to tell you what to do. They call it the way we do things around here. It's their job description. But what happens is you start as a happy soldier doing what everybody expects of you, coloring it inside the lines. And eventually it gets kind of uncomfortable because what are the odds that the practice description where you were hired is pointed right at your ideal practice? What are the odds of that? The answer is about zero. So for most of us, sooner or later, we get uncomfortable down the road a couple of years. And at some point in time, if you keep following somebody else's vision of the way your practice should be, you may get to a crisis point. That's burnout. That's where you say, I can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And you, you pivot. Ideally, if you do a good job of burning out, you pivot into changing your practice and maybe even changing your job position to one that has more purpose, where it feels like you're making the difference you were put here to make if you do a good job. Now, unfortunately, if the forces of darkness swallow you up at that point, it can lead to drugs, alcohol, and suicide. And that's a well-documented complication of burnout. But if you've ever had a turning point in your career where you say to yourself, man, if I hadn't made that, cha that change back then, I wouldn't be the person I am today. That's a burnout turning point towards purpose. So what I do is I teach people how to recognize burnout symptoms when they sneak around the edges. And then I teach them how to, to build a description of the, their ideal practice and to begin to move in that direction using their ideal practice as a target and creating a career on their own terms that matches that ideal practice description as much as possible. I think that's great, Dyke. And it's about 
deciding for yourself and and being able to define it and giving them the tools and, and strategies to be able to get after it once they've established that? And has what you do improved outcomes or, or made business better for some of these physicians? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, you can go to our testimonial page and see See, basically, you know, I stopped collecting testimonials just a couple of years into my practice. Every time my wife looks at the page, she says, it's too long. And I say, that's the <laughs> point, right? <laughs> but no, no, I, I know that the tools work because I get immediate feedback from folks that we um, have as coaching clients and workshop participants. And having said that, though, what I'll also tell you is that in addition to working with individual physicians, and the individual physician would be uh, being coached in, in the workshop for their own personal burnout prevention, for their own personal practice uh, quality, uh, we also work with leadership teams inside organizations because the truth about physician burnout is that when you have a doctor who works inside a healthcare delivery organization, it's a classic canary in a coal mine. And the key is that burnout, and here's another key insight, is that burnout's not a problem, meaning it doesn't have a solution, meaning that there isn't one thing you can do one time and you never have to worry about burnout again. Burnout's a classic dilemma. And the way you deal with a dilemma is with a strategy which has more than one component. So in order to prevent physician burnout inside an organization where you have a bunch of doctors working for a hospital, for instance, you have to have a strategy for the canary. So you have to be able to take care of yourself and they don't teach you how to do this in medical school. But you also have to have a strategy at the level of the coal mine or the organization. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, the doctors are simply defending themselves against a hostile culture and systems that don't work. Now, unfortunately, that's true for about 90% of doctors in the USA. But what we work to do is help leaders build supportive cultures and systems that work so that both the doctors and the organization are playing a role in keeping them all happy and healthy, if that makes sense. It does. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And that culture then propagates, you know, a healthier environment for everybody. If you had to reflect on one of the biggest setbacks you've had in your in your coaching and speaking experience, what is that setback? And, and what was the key learning? Well, I would say it was my own personal recovery from burnout and my own personal work with my coach. Mm hmm. And, and to be 100% clear, everybody's insights, everybody's burnout, and everybody's recovery is different. But this is what happened to me. It turns out that I was raised in a family where you, nobody would ever have stated it this way, but performance was very important for me. I was a firstborn male child. Um, my parents were the first college-educated folks in their families, and I was expected to achieve academically, and I did. Yeah. And um, having said that, though, my family was not particularly free with its praises. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so I got attention if I didn't get the straight A's, but I didn't get a lot of attention if I did. Mm. And so as I was growing up, what I was wanting to do was to have my parents say, hey, and I would perform and I would say, is everything okay now? I was looking for some sort of positive reinforcement. And you know how it is when you're a doctor. You're used to getting great A's, straight A's and performing and all of that. Mm -hmm. And it was when I realized that rather than, than judging myself on my performance, if I could look around, and I call it the reverse differential diagnosis, if I look around, I can see to myself, how is everything perfect right now? Mm -hmm. 
And again, this is against the programming of a physician. We diagnose and treat. We see problems everywhere. Right. But how is everything perfect right now? And if you put yourself in that mindset, you can see that you're actually showered with blessings at all times. Especially if I say, you know what, you know what a differential diagnosis is, right? If you're I'm gonna, asking me, no, I don't. I'm going to show you a skin spot. And I'm going to say, uh -huh. Saul, how many different conditions could produce that skin spot? And normally they're deadly conditions. So we're talking about a little brown spot on your arm. How many different ways could you die from whatever is causing that <laughs> on the inside? This is a doctor's mindset, right? Well, differential diagnosis is what are, make a list of all the things you are not being afflicted by right now. Uh, okay. okay. So I don't have diphilobothrium latum, no malignant melanoma, not having, you know, uh, an acute MI right? I don't have COVID or a stroke. I could keep going for hours after hours after hours. And all those things are not happening to me right now. So I could be grateful for that rather than worrying about things that might happen down the line. Yeah. It begins with gratitude. It begins with acknowledging your blessings. Like for instance, let me just ask a couple of questions, Saul. And this is straight from Tichinot Han's work, right? Do your teeth hurt right now? Nope. You could be grateful for your non-toothache. Are your underpants dry right now? <laughs> they are. <laughs> someday it won't. Someday it will not be that way, and you could be grateful that that's not today. <laughs> <laughs> and the list goes on. No, I get it. That's great. And and you know, it's um, that reframe is so important. And many of us, physician or not, can get stuck in a rut if our frame is, is not set right. Well, hang on a second. Let's just be really clear. Physicians are professionals at rut. Because again, <laughs> because again, what we do for a living on a very short time frame, multiple times every day, is to listen to somebody tell us what they're experiencing and then imagine all the different deadly things that could cause those symptoms. So for instance, just from a general philosophic and awareness viewpoint, if I grab one of my doctor friends and we go on a vacation in New York City mm -hmm. and we happen to be in the balcony above Grand Central Station, and you've, you've seen this, this floor of Grand Central Station down below, you've seen dancers there and you've seen right. bands there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. If we sat, me and my doctor friend, right, mm -hmm. sat on the railing above and looked down below, it would take each of us about 10 seconds to point out the only person down below who's limping. We would point at them at the same moment, and then we'd get in a heated debate over whether it's their hip or their knee. And only doctors do that. In that same span down below, there's also a, a dad playing with his daughter, right? And a, and a guy on his knee proposing to, you know, his now fiance. All that stuff's going on, but we see the one who's limping because that's what we're trained to do is to see the problems. Now you can talk about gratitude all you want, but it's it's against physician programming to find things to, that are that are working, that are good, and that you might want to acknowledge and celebrate. That is fair. That is fair, and uh, something to think about at home or on the ride you're on right now, or that extra push up you're doing uh, as you listen to us. Uh, you know, is is your mind trained to see the problem, or is it? time for you to think about the solution. Well, and it's, it's different than that for doctors, okay? <laughs> That's very linear, but okay. In order for you to step out of your physician programming, you must actually step out of it. I call it the whirlwind, right? So all of us physicians, you walk into your practice, you just step right into a whirlwind where everything's coming at you from all directions and you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
you have to have a way to actually release the whirlwind and let it go. It will be there when you go back to work tomorrow. But for right now, take a big deep breath in and let go of anything that doesn't need to be here right now. And if you want, you can reach up on your head and use your hand to imagine you're taking off your doctor hat. Let the doctor go. Ideally, they would have taught you in medical school and residency how to take the doctor off when you go home, just like the white coat. But we never get taught that boundary ritual, which is one of the key lessons that we teach all of our coaching clients. So yeah, it's, it's much more in doctors than just a, a word, a phrase. It, it is a difficult skill to learn because you've got seven years of continuous conditioning that beats it out of you. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I can, and so... What, what are you most excited about today? Um, I, I am, um, it's, it's Chinese interesting times. What is it? The symbol is a combination of what danger and change or something like that, mm -hmm. right? We're here now and we're uh, uh, flirting with phase two of the COVID epidemic. The economic performance of almost every uh, healthcare organization in the United States has been destroyed. Even Mayo's going to lose $3 billion this year. There's a whole bunch of traumatized folks that have already been taking care of patients through the first wave of COVID and the rest of the, of the providers are freaked out because they've been furloughed and slowed down for a while. The whole healthcare niche in America, especially on the fee-for-service side, is, undergoing, is going to undergo some radical change in the next 12 months. Unfortunately, all the money has been wrung out of the system. So we did have an, uh, a movement in its infancy that was supporting physician wellness inside large organizations. It remains to be seen how we will take better care of the doctors and staff in the future, the people who take care of the patients. Uh, but what I know is this, and I ask everybody this question, and I'll ask you this question, Saul. In the wake of this pandemic, do you think that the health and well-being of the physicians and staff is going to be less or more important? Um, well, I would say more. It's going to be a situation where I believe, at last, we will see the organizations that take better care of their people produce better outcomes, better financial performance, better retention, better morale, be a better place to be a patient. All of those things are going to be true. And we're going to have to do it in a new way that's more cost effective than the, the wellness programs of years gone past because the money has simply been wrung out of the system. The other thing I hope is that we see a, a mass movement to full risk contracting capitation because the organizations that accept capitation as a significant portion of their income right now are not getting hit. Their income is not being decimated. It's the fee-for-service institutions that are really taking the hit right now. And so there may be a change in the payer mix and the payer uh, mechanisms that will support uh, more stable income and allow us to build better wellness programs on top of that stability. Well, it's uh, physician wellness is critical we're, we're going through some tough times right now as a healthcare economy, as a, as a group of healthcare workers, and um, we have to do our part. So we appreciate the work that you're doing, Dr. Drummond, on, on the wave of physician wellness. And uh, folks, if you want to learn more about what Dr. Drummond Dyke is doing, go to thehappymd.com. You can also check it out on the podcast. It's outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in The Happy MD. You'll see a full transcript of our, of our chat with Dyke, as well as show notes and links to things that we've discussed that are of, of importance. Why don't you leave us with a, a closing thought? 
Dyke, and uh, then we could conclude. Um, what I want to do is support your agency, your understanding that you can take charge of your career and you can have a more satisfying practice. It's just a question of stepping up to decide what that would look like. So here's a quote for you. You don't get what you want in life. You get what you tolerate. So like, one, of the way, one of the ways to get more of what you want is to simply stop tolerating anything less. Powerful. That's certainly powerful. And, and that's something that I will think about and that I think all of the listeners will be thinking about. And Dyke, one last question. If the listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they could do that? Well, just go to thehappymd.com. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a little tab on the website that says contact. And uh, anything that you type into that contact form comes straight to me. Love it. Doesn't get any more personal than that. So uh, appreciate the uh, the direct contact opportunity there, Dyke, and as well as the listeners do. And I uh, just want to say thanks again for the work that you're doing in this space to make it better in both outcomes and business. Uh, thanks again for being with us. You are welcome. Hey, everyone. Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production? show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.